1: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So today, Samantha, I want to ask you, do you have any award that you are particularly proud of receiving?
2: Well, you know, I can't really say. I don't think I've gotten any awards outside of school. You can use those.
1: <laughs> but I'm like, that's a shame. You know what? We can fix that. I will make an award for you. Thank you. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if I ever really have. I don't think so. Oh,
1: that makes me so sad. Oh, uh, see, uh, but I was thinking this would be really funny, like a school thing.
2: Okay. It could be. Well, I definitely got the most dependable because I think that was just a popularity. Show. Like They just threw out names. Uh-huh. For people to be, you know, superlatives. Right. So mine was most dependable, which I don't know what that means for a high schooler. If that's like, you're the biggest nerd or, you know, whatever, whatnot. I got some drama awards. Got tons of uh, accelerated reader stuff in middle school. Yeah, I'm boring. I think I just try to hide away to try to blend in with a school for the most part. But what about you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I was I say a lot. I was very competitive. So I got a lot of like, Academic Awards, Accelerated Reader Awards, and I think when I, what was I voted as in high school? Most likely to, it was a weird one, like be a millionaire or I don't know. Millionaire? Yeah. It was something like that. I can't remember if it was that specifically or, it was something like successful, be successful. Okay. Most likely to succeed? Something along those lines. Who can remember anymore? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and I got some trophies from gymnastics that I was really proud of because, like, trophies were cool. (laughs) 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 I had had a specific one I was going to talk about, and it's out of my head. Now you've got me thinking in, in, like, high school terms. But... For this episode, we're talking about something bigger than Accelerated Reader. We are talking about the Nobel Prize, specifically perhaps the Nobel Peace Prize. And because it is Black History Month, we wanted to focus on Black women within this world. And certainly, we have talked about some of these women in our Female First series, so uh, we'll try to highlight those where they are, but you can check that out if you want to learn more about them. Yep, yep. And there has been some news around Nobel Prizes in women in the past years. So today is February 10th, 2021, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. In 2020, Jennifer A. Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier won a Nobel Prize in chemistry for their development of CRISPR, or C-R-I-S-P-R, Cas9 gene editing tools. And this was the first time that women received this award with without a male collaborator. First time. Uh, They were only the sixth and seventh women to win this award since 1901.
2: Right. And great news. But why? Why did it take it so long? So in 2018, the Swedish Royal Academy of Science launched initiatives to be more inclusive, including keeping gender and geography in mind when nominating and asking more women to send in nominations. Yes, the, that academy is in charge of the Nobel Prizes. But the progress hasn't exactly been as much as we hope, not surprisingly. For instance, in 2019, only 20 women received the award in the sciences. That's out of six 100. The Nobel Prize also got caught up in the hashtag MeToo movement, so that is something to think on as well. So physics professor at the University of Copenhagen, Lisla Jaffred, along with some colleagues, investigated and found that even accounting for the historical lower number of women in scientific fields, women are underrepresented. Surprise, surprise. According to Jofred, quote, with 95% probability, there is a bias against women.
1: Not surprisingly. Yeah, so she was specifically looking into, because some people would argue, there just weren't that many women in the sciences, so that's why they were getting less awards. And it's changing as more and more women get into the scientific field. But Joffred specifically looked into that and found, even taking in that, it's still... Right. (laughs) Right. This bias is still there. So let's talk about some basics around the Nobel Prize. The Nobel Foundation was a private organization established in 1900, and it was founded as a way to honor the will of Alfred Nobel and use his fortune accordingly. The foundation's primary goal is to ensure the financial stability of the institutions that hand out the award and also to protect the independence of these institutions when it comes to picking out winners. In his will, Nobel specifically named the institutions he wanted to be involved. So this is from the Nobel website, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences for the Nobel Prize in Physics and Chemistry, Karolinska Institutet for the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine, the Swedish Academy for the Nobel Prize in Literature, and a committee of five persons to be elected by the Norwegian Parliament, storting for the Nobel Peace Prize. And then in 1968, the Severius Riksbank Prize in Economic Sciences in memory of Alfred Nobel was established. And the following year, the Swedish Academy of Sciences was put in charge of choosing the Laureates in Economic Sciences. So... How
2: do you get nominated?
1: I'm yeah. gonna have to write this
2: down for you. It's time, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Well, sorry, you can't nominate yourself. Blast. No, it just can't happen. And no <laughs> posthumous awards, which is kind of sad. And the full list of nominated names isn't released until 50 years have passed. So, beginning in September, the Nobel Committee calls for submissions from professors, past recipients, scientists, members of academia and academies, parliamentary committee members, and others to send in their nominations, with the goal of receiving a diverse swath of nominees. From there, the Nobel Nobel Committee selects the winners. While some committees require nominators to be qualified, anyone can nominate someone other than themselves for the Nobel Peace Prize.
1: Right. So I think, for instance, the, like, literature, you have to be involved somehow in the world of literature to nominate someone. Right. But for the Nobel Peace Prize pretty much anybody can. Everybody. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: So some quick stats, 57 women have won the Nobel Prize between 1901 and 1920. Marie Curie is the only woman to receive the award twice, once in 1903 for physics and a second time in 1911 for chemistry. And so women have been the recipient of the award 58 times. Okay. So, Curry was also the first woman to win the prize. And not surprisingly, the number has gone up since 2000, with 28 women winning the award from 2000 to 2020, as compared to the four between 1901 to 1920. And of the 931 laureates, women only make up about 6.1%. And these numbers exclude institutions. Right. So, that's pretty small. That is ridiculously
1: small. (laughs) Yeah. So... Of those awards that women have won, 17 have been Nobel Peace Prizes. From the Nobel website, here are the winners. Nadia Murad in 2018, quote, for their relief efforts to end the use of sexual violence as a weapon of war in armed conflict. Malala Yousafzai in 2014 for their struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right of all children to education ellen johnson Sirleaf in 2011 for their nonviolent struggle for the safety of women and for women's rights to full participation in peace building work lema gaboyi in 2011 for their nonviolent struggle for the safety of women and for women's rights to full participation in peace building work tawa cole karman in 2011 for their nonviolent struggle for the safety of women and for women's rights to full participation in peace building work Mungari Muta Matai in 2004 for her contribution to sustainable development, democracy, and peace. Shirin Abadi in 2003 for her efforts for democracy and human rights. She has focused especially on the struggle for the rights of women and children. Jody Williams in 1997 for their work for the banning and clearing of anti-personnel mines. Rigoberta Tum in 1992 in recognition of her work for social justice and ethno-cultural reconciliation based on respect for the rights of indigenous peoples, Aung San Suu Kyi in 1991 for her nonviolent struggle for democracy and human rights. And then um, a few don't have reasons listed next to their name. Alva Myrdal in 1982 played a central role in the United Nations disarmament negotiations. Mother Teresa in 1979 worked for the poor in Calcutta through her order, the Missionaries of Charity. Betty Williams in 1976 founded a grassroots movement against violence in Northern Ireland. My Red Corrigan in 1976 founded a grassroots movement against violence in Northern Ireland. Emily Greenbalk in 1946, leader of the American Peace Movement, Jane Addams in 1931, social worker active in the Peace Movement, and Baroness Bertha Sophie Felicity von Suttner in 1905, leader in the International Peace Movement. So all those descriptions I read, those are directly from the Nobel website. Yes. And a lot of these women have dealt with sexism and sometimes extreme sexism, obstacles in their path, sometimes even violence. The road has not been easy for a lot of them. And we thought we would highlight two of these women in our history segment. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break forward from our sponsor.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Please.
2: So let's talk about Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, who is known as... African's Iron Lady. Uh, when Sirleaf was elected as president of Liberia in 2005, two years after the end of the country's violent civil war that left upwards of 200,000 dead and hundreds of thousands more displaced, she made history as the first democratically elected head of state in Africa. She served in the transitional government before her election on the Governance Reform Commission, which spearheaded the country's anti-corruption reforms. From 2006 to 2012, she increased the nation's national budget from $80 million to 670 2 million and secured a yearly growth in GDP of 7%. And in 2011, she was reelected.
1: All of this was after years she spent working in office. Um, She was born in Liberia in 1938, and she obtained her upper education in the U.S. beginning in 1961 from Harvard University and Madison's Business College in Wisconsin. Her career in politics began in 1965 when she worked in Liberia's Treasury Department. She rose through the ranks, becoming the minister of finance in 1979, the first female to hold that position with the main goal of taking on the mismanagement of the country's finances. She briefly served as the president of the Liberian Bank for Development and Investment after the military coup in 1980. But as the regime became more oppressive, she fled the country that same year. In the ensuing years, she held many positions at a handful of banks, including acting as a senior loan officer at the World Bank. She also worked with the UN as the assistant administrator of the United Nations Development Program and as director of its Regional Bureau of Africa, which put her at the rank of assistant secretary general of the UN, a position she resigned from in 1997. Through her efforts contesting the coup and following elections in Liberia, she was imprisoned for a year, and her life was threatened by one of Liberia's former presidents.
2: During her time in office, she helmed reconciliation efforts, including rebuilding the country's economy, dealt with the Ebola crisis, though she came under fire for quarantining heavily infected poor areas with troops, and garnered several accolades for her economic and social policies and for her efforts towards empowering women, including the Nobel Peace Prize in 2011 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She was also the first female recipient for the Mo Ibrahim Prize for the Achievement in African Leadership. Sirleaf was appointed co-chair of the United Nations Secretary General's High-Level Panel of Eminent Persons on the Post 2005 Development Agenda in 2012. And she became the first woman elected as chairperson of the Economic Community of West African States in 2016. She's also been given 15 honorary degrees. I need one.
1: Yeah, 15. Wow. Mm -hmm. My mom, so <laughs> brief aside, I didn't go to my graduation when I graduated college. I had no interest in going. Me either. And my my parents, they were both relieved because it's Atlanta in summer. Right. And didn't really want to do that, but kind of like sad. And then like, I think a couple years ago, my mom asked me out of the blue, where's your diploma? And I said, I don't know. And she was so mad. And she like called the school and made them send me a diploma and got it framed. But I probably never would have... I had the little card one, you right. know, that they gave for your wallet. Like, I'm going to whip that out in front it. Right. I think I may have lost both of them.
2: My mother did frame mine as well because I also did not go to my graduation. I was like, I don't care about this. I'm going to go to Europe instead because it was cheap and free yeah. and I need to do this before I get a job. Yeah, And also because... UGA, it's a giant, giant school, and you could go to the big one where you don't actually stand up, or you can go to the smaller one in your class. But right. it was just like, eh, I'm fine. And uh, my mother decided to make that frame for me, and I had to take it out because I, th- I don't think I ever received a card one, small card one, oh. to prove that I had gone to college and gotten a degree, and now can't find it. Oh. Sorry, mom. <laughs>
1: Sorry, moms all around. (laughs) We appreciate it. (laughs) Well, we don't have 15 honorary degrees um, like Ellen Johnson Sirleaf does, is the point. From the UN website, President Sirleaf has been ranked among the top 100 most powerful women in the world, Forbes 2012, and the most powerful women in Africa, Forbes Africa 2011, one of six women of the year, Glamour 2010, Among the 10 best leaders in the world, Newsweek 2010, and top 10 female leaders, Time 2010, and also in 2010, The Economist called her, quote, the best president the country has ever had. Mm Mm-hmm. In 2012, she published her memoir entitled, This Child Will Be Great. She stepped down as president in 2017, and she was criticized for corruption and cronyism. Uh, She appointed many family members to government positions, and of the 19 candidates that ran to replace her, only one was a woman. So people were like, how good of a job did you do empowering women if this is the case? And also, well... it's just very complicated the whole situation in that country and what she was dealing with. Because you'll you'll find articles saying, "Well, she inherited this thing, and what was she right. going to do?" And then you'll find other articles saying, "Well, there's just signs of corruption, and it wasn't changing." And then a lot of people say, "But she did step down, so like this democratic process took place." And she stepped down and allowed for it to happen again, and that's a big deal. But her legacy is not without complications, is the point. It's very complicated. But she did achieve a lot in the face of many obstacles.
2: You know, I think you and I have talked about this before, but it's really hard to see, like, you want to celebrate everything, but there are always a little bit of...
1: At least a little bit, but... (laughs) And that's
2: complicated, but it doesn't negate the fact that she did make some huge changes. Mm Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about Lima Gabowy, who received a Nobel Peace Prize in 2011 as well, also for her work in Liberia. Over the years, she's been a peace activist, a social worker, and as an advocate of women's rights. On top of that, she served as founder and president of the Monrovia-based Gabowy Peace Foundation Africa. Through her work in bringing together Christian and Muslim women, she was able to help end the Liberian Civil War in 2003, which in turn helped clear the path for Ellen surley's election in 2005. Her efforts played a role in kickstarting a cascade of movements that recognize the power and effectiveness of women when it comes to achieving lasting peace.
1: Kaboe was born in Liberia in 1972 and the Civil War broke out in that country when Kaboe was only 17. And in her words, quote, "...turned her from a child to an adult in a matter of hours." She became a mother young and started working as a social worker and a trauma counselor, specifically focusing on child soldiers. And as she gained more experience, she came to believe that women needed to take on this responsibility to ensure peace for generations to come. So she founded and served as the Liberia coordinator of the Women in Peacebuilding Network under the West Africa Network for Peacebuilding. After a second civil war erupted in 1999, bringing with it systemic rape, Gaboi put her beliefs into action. Guided in part by her Christian faith, she helped form a previously unheard of coalition with Muslim women, the Women of Liberia Mass Action for Peace. Under Gaboey's leadership, thousands of women showed up for mass protests that lasted weeks. The leader at the time, President Charles Taylor, was forced to meet up with them for peace negotiations that took place in Ghana. And this was with a delegation that Gaboey led. At one point when the talks stalled, 200 women led by Gaboey formed a human barrier preventing the president's representatives and rebel warlords from leaving until they came to a peace agreement. When security forces showed up to remove the women, Gaboi threatened to take off her clothes, an act that according to traditional beliefs would set a curse upon these men, a misfortune upon these men. And they didn't want that, so no. they returned to the negotiations. That's very effective. Quick thinking. Mm-hmm. Weeks later, President Taylor resigned and went into exile, and a transitional government was guaranteed by a signed peace treaty.
2: My kind of lady right there. <laughs> Gaboe co-founded the Ghana-based Women Peace Peace and Security Network Africa. And she went on to serve on their executive board for six years. And this is a pan-African nonprofit organization that's focused on women and led by women with the goal of increasing women's participation in Africa's strategic security and peaceful governance. One of the ways they go about this is by offering leadership programs for women, which is phenomenal. And in 2012, she founded the Gaboe Peace Foundation Africa in Monrovia with the mission of making leadership and educational opportunities for girls and women. And she served as a member of the Nobel, Women's Initiative, the Gaboe Peace Foundation, and African Women Leaders Network for Reproductive Health and Family Planning, among several others, as you can tell. She's led a lot of things. Yeah, She does a lot of work around sustainability as well, because, you know, add one more thing. Why not?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of that popping up as well. (laughs) Um, And yeah, she's received countless awards. She was the subject of the 2008 documentary, Pray the Devil Back to Hell which was uh, highly praised, and the 2011 memoir, Mighty Be Our Powers. After Wangari Matai, Wuta Matai, um, who we did a whole female first episode on with our our friend Eve's Sirleaf and Gaboey are the second and third African women to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Nice. Yeah, again, you know, want to celebrate, but still, it's taking so long. (laughs) The fact that it took till
2: 2004 for the first Black woman to be mm-hmm. able to be given this prize is absurd. And yeah. to this day, <laughs> the number is still ridiculously low.
1: Yes, yes. But we did want to highlight these women. And, and, you know, as we say in Female First, people's legacies are complicated and these women are still alive. So right. things are ongoing, but they've accomplished a lot and worth talking about. That's what we have to say about them for now. But we do have a little bit more more current news Yes. In, in the world of Nobel Peace Prize. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes
1: to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated, PNC Bank a National Association member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The
2: pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love, Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much. And she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you, that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her, that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her at the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, you know, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be
1: mine. I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are. Uh, we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com/adoption-drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. And we're back. Thank you sponsor. One of the reasons we started looking at the history of the Nobel Peace Prize is because of a couple of this year's nominations for Stacey Abrams and for Black Lives Matter. Stacey Abrams was nominated by Norwegian lawmaker Lars Haltbreken for her work in, quote, promoting nonviolent change via the ballot box. He stated in his nomination letter, quote, Abrams' work follows in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s footsteps in the fight for equality before the law and for civil rights. And continues on to say, Abrams' efforts to complete King's work are crucial if the United States of America shall succeed in its effort to create fraternity between all peoples and a peaceful and just society. She's being recognized for her tireless efforts for fighting voter suppression and helping to amplify the voices of marginalized citizens and communities.
2: Right. Um, And I was trying to find a reaction from her or even from verified Action, and I could not find (laughs) anything. Uh, I don't know if they're like, okay, cool, and just moving on, or whether it's because it's such a large list, and as we talked about earlier, you never know who's going to actually pay attention and whether it's going to be noted or Mm -hmm. or not. So, yeah, once she says something, we'll We'll say something, <laughs> you know. That. Sure. And then there's Black Lives Matter, which has been nominated this year as well, and they were nominated by the Norwegian lawmaker Peter Ida. He nominated Black Lives Matter because it would quote send a powerful message that peace is founded on equality, solidarity, and human rights, and that all countries must respect those basic principles. And in his letter, he states, "quote BLM's call for systemic change has spread around the world, forcing other countries to grapple with racism within their own societies." And in credit their work, he stated in a TV interview, I believe that Black Lives Matter is the largest and strongest social movement in the world today, fighting racial injustice.
1: There are some people who feel this is just a political ploy of an organization, perhaps using a movement to stay relevant. And, you know, I'm not sure if we made it clear at the top, but the Nobel Prize is not without a history of controversy. It is a bit different as the organization is made up of different chapters run from different people all over the world, perhaps nominating the three founders, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi for their work would have made more sense.
2: Yeah, I think it's gonna be hard. Uh, I know there was a whole conversation within the different communities like, well, how do we do this? Because it is, the chapters are very split. And so it's not necessarily under one. So it probably would have made more sense to put the founders as ahead of that and naming them instead of one big giant collective movement. But it definitely does make the statement of the fact that they are a movement rather than just as some of the people in the U.S. would call like extremist groups. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it does, I think it brings a big conversation to that. But the Black Lives Matter responded on their tweet, quote, We hold the largest social movement in global history. Today we have been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. People are waking up to our global call for racial justice and an end to economic injustice, environmental racism, and white supremacy. We're only getting started. So definitely excited to see that.
1: But of course... We don't know what's going to happen at the end, right? <laughs> no, not currently. <laughs> um, so, of course, the, the nomination process, as we said at the beginning, does not necessarily mean they will even come close to being awarded as thousands of people can nominate people in organizations. For example, both Jared Kushner and Donald Trump have been nominated by people from their own past staff or parties, but will not likely be <laughs> considered by the Nobel Committee, that would be a real turn.
2: So says at least one of the committee members that was there, so it'll be surprising. Maybe they will, who knows, but it did not seem likely.
1: (laughs) I personally would be shocked. (laughs) I feel confident saying that. Um, Winners will be announced in October, so... Hopefully we can revisit this uh, and yeah. we'll have some some good news. Right. Yeah, I think
2: it's really sad that our initial idea was let's talk about Black History Month. Let's talk about some of the women who have been awarded around the world for these amazing things that they've done because Black women continue to be powerhouses and have been powerhouses to, from the beginning. And the mere fact that they're not in here. No one's in here. And it took till 2004. So when we talk about Ida B. Wells and her work, and when we talk about Bell Hooks and her works, and you start talking about what happened? Why is this even a thing? Why aren't these people in this conversation? Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's so short, because the list is so ridiculously short, and this is exactly what we're talking about, the systemic breakdown within organizations like this, and mm-hmm. whether or not they should be legitimately looked at as hey, are you actually being representative of the world and what's happening in the world? Or are you just giving people that you know and you kind of like a pat on the back?
1: Right, right. And, and just to reiterate, for this episode, we did include numbers from Nobel Prize at large, but we were focusing on Nobel Peace Prize. So yeah, like Toni right. Morrison won a Nobel right. Prize in 1993. But we did want to focus specifically on the Nobel Peace Prize. And yes, it was a depressingly short <laughs> uh, so i laugh so it's sad right. <laughs> yeah yeah it is changing it is and i'm glad that people are looking into it and having these conversations about it right well maybe one day samantha i'll I'll think about an award for you okay thank you i will i will i will and listeners we would love to hear about any awards you've received yes <laughs> yes please. Uh, you can email us at StuffMediaMomStuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. and the pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart it can open
2: yours too visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions
0: rev up your thrills this summer at cedar point on the all-new top thrill 2 drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway